All right, Pete Giuliano. It is Saturday, the 5th of May, 2018. That makes this solder smoke. 204. 204. Excellent, excellent. Here, just let me check my uh, settings here. We are looking good. Solder smoke 204, indeed. Uh, but by the way, that, that is really important that we say that. What's really that? important. And the reason is, I received an email from one of our podcast listeners, and he records these on a little MP3 pair. And so if we don't tell him the version number, he's not sure whether he's heard it already. <laughs> so I by, know, I know. By, by, by saying 204s, he's out there working on his guard. Oh, yeah, I heard that one. I feel, oh, bad, well, that's som- a new one. I feel yeah. bad sometimes, too, because guys will call in with suggestions like, why don't you have like an introductory segment? in which you just start by saying, this is Solder Smoke episode number 204, at the very, very beginning. I know we're pretty close, but to move it up even further, it's another another 15 minutes of digital messing about here. This is a shout-out to Ralph. Okay, did you get it? It's 204. 204. (laughs) We gave you the date and everything. Holy cow. All right, Pete Giuliano, uh, another month has passed, and here we are. On, on solder smoke again. I'd like, I'm happy to say that we are still called solder smoke. There's been yeah, no right. change <laughs> in the name. We got, we got to talk about this, you know? Go ahead. Go ahead, Bill. Well, you know, last, last month we put out some information that we thought would be of concern to our listeners. We didn't realize how much concern this would cause. <laughs> it caused a lot, a lot of concern. And, you know, many of you, you know, you're now aware of what the story was. I mean, there are people who just only listen to the podcast and don't really monitor what's going on on the blog or the email. So they might, might not be fully aware of the, um, the legal situation. I wouldn't say, well, situation that we discussed because we, we, we let it be known in the last podcast and then subsequently on the, on the blog that we were facing some legal difficulties, some litigation, as they say. Trademark stuff. Yes. That was going to cause us to change the name of the show. And this is, of course, very disturbing because, you know, we've been more than 10 years here uh, with Solder Smoke. It's a, it's a, a, a brand that is, you know, known and loved to, you know, electronic wizards around the world. And so that they found that very disturbing. And then, you know, it, it was really bizarre. I mean, it should have been really bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> because you see, the threat that we talked about came from your your home state over there on the left coast. Oh, yes, on the left coast. A, a new industry. Call it an industry. Some people would call it a cartel. But a new industry popped up out there, the, the, the California marijuana industry. Yes. And they, they took... Their lawyers, their suits, their big lawyers took an interest in that anything with with smoke in it, you know? Yes. For obvious reasons. Smoke is like an integral part of their business. (laughs) (laughs) So, and they they teamed up with another smoke-related industry out there, this vaping thing. Have you seen these vapors? You're driving along in a car and all of a sudden it looks like the car in front of you just burst into flames when it's actually just somebody exhaling all the vapor. (laughs) These two were in cahoots. There was a British firm, too, the Birmingham Vaping Company of Birmingham, England, got together 
and they hired a bunch of fancy pants lawyers and they were going to take our our name away and anyway we 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 didn't want to tell people about it completely at first we mentioned it on the podcast but then on april 1st 2018 i had to come clean and make the announcement on the on the blog so we did and i got to tell you pete i was really well i wouldn't at first heartened but then kind of disturbed by the outpouring <laughs> of indignation and outrage and I'll just I'll just read to you here the, the summation of this whole thing. First, let me thank the many, many, many loyal listeners from around the world who wrote in with expressions of support and sympathy. Special thanks to our UK listeners who are notable in their indignation, in the indignation for, the, for, for what they saw as a blatant example of U.S. litigiousness gone mad. One loyal British listener went so far as to pledge to immediately end his patronage of the Birmingham vaping business <laughs> known as Sodder Smoke without the L. <laughs> thank you. We thank you for that, old man. Yeah. Uh, we didn't even know they existed, but there they are. We found this quite, well, <laughs> surprising. Uh, but we were chuffed nonetheless. Thanks, old man. The expressions of concern were really quite touching. One listener asked if he should in an effort to keep us out of hot water, because we had asked people not even to write to us on the Solder Smoke email address, because, you know, that could just... Because we were told that we would be fined, we would be penalized $1 million for every instance in which the word was was used. This was reminiscent of another legal case that's out there oh, right yeah. now. Um, but it says here, we, to keep us out of hot water, this fellow wrote in and asked whether he should immediately destroy his Solder Smoke coffee mug. <laughs> And I wrote that, well, with fans like that, well, what can we say? Yeah. Uh, okay, now, you know, this is the interesting thing, Pete. We got a lot of good suggestions about new names because these guys, they're not just passive victims of our litigious U.S. legal system. They are creative tech guys who immediately thought about new names. I mean, I was, it was kind of disturbing how quickly they were going to fold on this, but they were ready to go for the new names. I guess that's because we asked them for it, but um, uh, let's see. So one fellow wrote in, his name is Buck, we will not identify him any further, but he seems to have a real knack for namesmithing, and he wrote, the easiest would be Solder Haze, it's it's a simple scan and replace, Solder Haze, that reminded me of Jimi Hendrix's Purple Haze. Purple Haze, yeah. Excuse me while I kiss the sky, yes, Uh, that was nice, but other trademark trolls might have grabbed Haze too, he points out, so here are some other ideas, Eutectic Point. Ooh. That's like the the, the melting point. Solder, tech, yeah, soldering melting point. point. Yeah, solder wick chronicles. Oh, there you go. I don't know solder wick. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. Um, and then here's a good one: sixty forty. But that would yeah. be really kind of esoteric. Most new hams would go blasting right past that, and not even realize it was about radio. Sixty forty. And then I got this one using the uh, the the symbols for the uh, the chemical symbols, PBSN. Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. Lead and tin, yeah. Lead and tin. Then, the joy of soldering. Yeah. 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 And I like this one. Fahrenheit 368. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the melting point. Another fellow wrote in, John suggested um, another name, uh, Lead Vapors, but we feared that this one might lead to even more trouble, perhaps even trouble with the EPA. But no, no, wait. No, don't worry about yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no, no yeah, need to worry. Yeah. No, no. Uh, Gary. Scott in the pocket. Yeah. Scott's in our pocket. <laughs> yeah. Gary suggested 
a new one. This one, I, he said, call it Solder Suckers. I briefly thought of the many people who wrote in, see above, but that would be too cruel. So then we just decided that that one just, well, as the kids would say, that one just sucks. So no, not that one. A number of listeners suggested legal counterattacks and fundraising efforts. And we did get one unsolicited donation. Thank you, old man. That was good. One fellow suggested fighting fire with fire by having us trademark the phrase, chicks dig it, and then just letting the money roll in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get our lawyers, Dewey, Cheatham, and Hal, to work on that one. One devoted radio amateur said that he informed his club and has launched a letter-writing campaign. Oh, man. that. Governor Jerry Brown's probably over there scratching his head right now. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of the time we got everybody to write it to, to Chris Christie about no soldering in the home. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, old man. Keep them cards and letters going to California. There were, unfortunately, many disparaging comments about California potheads and California potheads. We, our response was simple. Hey, dudes, they don't mind. They are not going to let you harsh their mellow. No way. (laughs) Stuart wrote in to claim that there was some sort of UK rule that says that things like this can't be carried on past noon local time in the United Kingdom. Ha! We said, ha! We are no longer bound by such imperial edicts. Similarly, we got a similar... People get, you know, they're very legalistic in this, Pete. Legalistic. Uh, Peter in Australia complained that the story had reached him on April 2nd down there in the Australia Oz time zone. Yeah, yeah, right. The world is round. We we get it. It's not our problem. Uh, He wrote in that it reached him on two seconds, rendering it null and void. And my response was was a very, I think, to the point. Sorry, Peter. These are UTC operations, my friend. Time to wake up and join the rest of the planet. Good. Got that straightened out. Okay, look, we had to get right to the point on this whole thing. The beloved name of our podcast and blog has been saved by a loophole. It was an important loophole here in trademark law. You see, any legal challenges of this nature launched and announced on April 1st of each year are highly likely to be found on even casual examination to be null, void, and totally bogus. So, no, Pete's computer was not seized by a court order. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, <other one. laughs> the California marijuana industry is not planning on marketing solder-scented weed. <laughs> what are you thinking? There is no Birmingham company called Solder Smoke. <laughs> do, do you know what that means in, yeah, yeah, in, yeah, in the UK yeah, parlance? Look it up. S-O-D-D-E-R. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think so. And we are not being sued for trademark violations by an evil marijuana vaping California juggernaut. But we thank you for support and to make it all official. We both have to say it at the same time. April Fool. There you go. <laughs> you know, we, we participate in this amateur radio tradition. It goes way back. We're very proud to participate. And that ends this year's chapter. See you next year, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There was some, you know, amidst the messages, somebody, there were lots of messages saying, I, I can't believe these people believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we better not say anything more. We're going to alienate people. Or, or I believed it and then realized the date. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pay attention to this stuff. Yeah. All right, Pete, a lot of other big news to discuss. First, look at this. I'm holding it in my hand there. Oh. 
the thrill that'll hit you when you get your picture on the cover of Sprat magazine. Again, two in a row. This is wow. better than like an Oscar or an Emmy. I mean, we, we're like, we'd be up there saying, wow. Yeah, what I'm talking about is on issue number 174 of our beloved magazine of the Journal of the Q GQRP Club, Sprat. If you're not subscribing, as they used to say in the Army, you're wrong. Yeah. Um, sign up for it. It's a beautiful magazine, and it's got Pete's creation on the cover with a beautiful Giuliano Blue digital display. <laughs> what kind of display is that there, Pete? It's a uh, color TFT, but I, I ordered an off-brand, yeah. and I said, oh, geez, you ordered the wrong one. And when I got it, say, I said, that looks pretty cool. It looks, it does look cool. It's cool Giuliano Blue, an SSB 20-meter transceiver by N6QW, which uses club sale parts. And this was like a remake, this is a, a, a redo of an oldie. Yep. Updated with new 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 components available from GQRP. So, anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. Do you want to tell us anything about this rig or about the uh, getting on the cover or the thrill that hit you? Well, uh, it was kind of funny. Uh, uh, I, you, you know, we all get emails from people uh, that we around the world, and Tony Fishpool uh, uh, approached me and said, "Hey, we got some parts in the club sales bins that we're not sure work. Uh, would you like to, to try to put these?" To work in a circuit and it specifically was a double balanced mixer and they're now available for sale so i tried them and man these are really good good parts so he said well tell us about the application so i said okay this is how i used it uh, because i had a homebrew double balanced mixer actually it was a single balance mixer in there and i replaced it with the uh, the club sales part and uh so i just sent him some photos and it turned into an article so there you go but okay. it was built about 19 around 1985 uh -huh. and it's gone it had a analog vfo in it and it's gone through various uh i've had an 80 98 50 in there and now it's got an si5351 with a color tft and it's got a uh, the original filter in there was a um, KVG, and now I've got a club club cells filter in there and the uh, double balance mixer, and I fixed the front end. Had a, had an interesting problem with this. After I got it working, um, it had an intermittent problem, and it drove me nuts. And I started rebuilding things, and then I realized because it would go into descents like it wasn't working. Then I realized. There was nothing wrong with the rig because I had my scope across the antenna terminal with the rig not turned on. I got a neighbor. It's a ham. He was running FT8. <laughs> and there was this 800 feet away. <laughs> and the signal was coming down and blocking the front, overloading the front end. Oh, my God. So, I mean, for two days, I'm fixing things in a rig that's not broken. <laughs> oh, no. I, I you know, had similar things because I got this AM broadcast oh, yeah, station one, yeah. out one mile down the road. It's so loud that it moves my SWR meter when I hook yeah. it up to a long wire. Yeah. So that kind of stuff. Keep that in mind. Yeah, it might. It, I, it, I mean, I was fixing things that weren't broke, <laughs> <laughs> which is not fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. I'm glad. You, and we thank we thank our uh, our friends over there and GQRP. I just also wanted to mention that there's an article on page four of the uh, the current issue of 174. It's about the future of the GQRP club by Graham Firth, G3, MFJ. And the article points out that um, the the club has been in operation for 42 years. They've been putting this thing out, which which makes Solder Smoke a relative newcomer on the scene compared to, to these guys. A youngster. Guys. Yeah. And then, uh, and then George, George, uh, um, G3RJV, the um, 
the the president uh, of the club, uh, George Dobbs, who we talk about all the time here, uh, he's been having some health issues and has been struggling with the production of Sprat. All right, so they 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 have kind of asked for assistance. Now it's important to point out that, that, that there's a line here. It says, although we are an international club, we are UK based, and for all kinds of sound and logistical reasons, we need help from UK members because they're looking for help in in production of of the Sprat uh, journal. And obviously, it'd be difficult for somebody on the other side of the planet to be helping out. I'm sure there are many people who would like to help out, but I think they're right in looking for help. So if you're in the UK and you could help out with the production of Sprat, they're, they're looking for help. Get in touch with, uh, with, with Graham. His, uh, his email, g3mfj at gqrp.co.uk. Okay. Yeah. I, I think they, I, I have reason to believe they may have that fixed. Good. So that, that's kind of good. Hey, before we go too quickly beyond the magazine, I, 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 I looked at that magazine depth not because I had an article in there, but this particular issue has got some amazing things in it. First of, what struck me is there's a solid state-based valve tester. <laughs> I mean, this is the same kind of like oxymoron. You know, it was a solid state tube tester. And kind of amazing, and you, you know the problem is, is uh, there's still a lot of vacuum tubes floating around, but not a lot of tube testers, and this is really kind of a very interesting project. Uh, there's also a kind of a neat one in there employing the uh, uh, Mitsubishi RF FET, the RDO6 HHF1, a real simple transmitter, two and twenty-two driving this thing five watts. <laughs> I mean, I saw it. that was really cool. That was very spratty. Yeah, a handful yeah. of parts, a handful of parts, and, and you know, you got a five-watt rig, and, uh, you know, just pretty simple. There's things you can you can just put your hands on and, and make work. And then there was a cute keyer made out of paper clips. I saw <laughs> I mean, that. I'm just saying, what a, what a breadth, no. of, breadth of articles. Well, here's cool. the other one. In the same, I agree with you completely. And the thing that struck me was, in, ter- in terms of the breadth, of the coverage of this this issue there's an article here by john joyce gm4 jtj the christmas yes. challenge 2017 gold frankincense and mar yes matter now, of fact i'm gonna send him a little note because he's lifting those uh, mimics off the boards that's the thing i mean <laughs> wow talk about going the extra mile getting the the the, the, the brass fig lagi with with bronze oak leaf clusters as gene shepherd would put it now look, we are all we all grew up salvaging parts from old TVs, old radios, old rigs, Swan 240s, all this other stuff, Heathkit QF1s that have been sacrificed to the cause. Now this guy has gone the, the step further because he is going through old boards and salvaging these surface mount Mar or Mimic uh, amplifiers. Yeah. Wow, that's. <laughs> yeah, and he's putting them on CW, and, and he has uh, there were two actually two hams, and uh, Joyce wrote the article, but there was another fellow ham there, and and uh, I, I'm I'm going to send him a note because I'm telling him while he's salvaging those mimics, he can turn those into bilateral amplifiers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I mean, Listen just think it. about oh. the breadth of article, the breadth of coverage they have, or something for everybody, and simple stuff, few parts. Let me just read you the the part here. It says. I have been finding more and more of these devices on old circuit boards, usually marked AO6, AO3, or simply 6 and 3, and they can be removed with care. 
either lifting each leg in turn using a toothpick or scalpel blade, or how I prefer to remove them, which is using a hot air gun and tweezers. For hot air gun, read my uh, read my trusty paint stripper held at a judicious distance from the circuit board. Yeah. Whoa. And All right. Lest, lest we forget, Peter Parker's got a transceiver in there. He does. Using regen receiver. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's called the, the C, CRTR, a ceramic resonator regenerative receipt transceiver for 7 megahertz. Using the ceramic resonators. He, and he based his on the same <clears throat> article by uh, Oliver, F5LVG, yeah. that impressed me about the, the ceramic resonators. And so good, good stuff and a lot of, you know, kind of cross-fertilization. Look at this, Pete. I would, another article here. I mean, this is like a real trend. This is why you gotta, you got to subscribe to Sprat. Look at this. Uh, Dirk Kraus, DL1 GKD, has an article near to my heart. I know it's going to cause you a bit of <laughs> yeah, angst. Was, oh, yeah. Simple analog frequency readout. Yeah. That, hey, that was a cool-looking box. Look it's at cool, that. It's a cool. Yeah. It looks like it looks like the SBL one or SBE yeah, yeah. SBE the sideband yeah, engineers. Yeah, it does. Box very cool, but it's got a dial with numbers written on it and a reduction drive, just yeah. like the old days. Pete. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's just good stuff. No and, need and, for this. SI unless you forget, look on the back page, the very back cover, the yeah. parts. All those parts. That's the good stuff there. And there's an article in here, latest club sale info, on. Um, the new, um, let's see, the uh, da, 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 um, new MCL 9414s, a QRP, SDR, SWR indicator built on like a tuna tin. Oh, good stuff here. It's great. And I always like the membership news, too, because you can keep up with every, what everybody's doing around. Oh, the world. yeah. Well, this, this I look at that. It, it, it's stressful. To see what everybody else is doing. Yeah, and when I look at those rigs, mine look like a piece of junk in comparison to some, some of those things. Uh, did oh, you man. see the one, the one guy there that built the three QCX rigs? There's a picture of the three rigs. In there, let's see. Under Chris Page, under yeah, number yeah. news. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think I know the one you're talking about. Oh, yes, I see them here. The QCX yeah. things, the three of them. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful boxes, too. Hey, hey, by the way, before I forget that, I just read something on the BedX 20 reflector this morning. Hans and Farhan are both, both going to be at Fairborn, Ohio. Not Dayton. Fairborn, Ohio. They're Han, going. He's, he's going. Hans and Asher Farhan are going to be at Dayton, otherwise known as Fairborn. Wow, and that's four days in May. When is that going to be this year? It's going to be week. soon. <laughs> Next week. Wow. I'm, I, now that that means I've got to try to convince Farhan to come back to Washington like he did last time. Yeah. Because we're not going out there, Pete. Neither am I. <laughs> That's what I mean. You and I are not <laughs> yeah, going there. No. Yeah, yeah. No, no. But I'm glad to hear they're going. So yeah. so get out there, guys. Go to go to was it Fairborn? Fairborn. It'll always be Zenia. Dayton. Zenia. It'll always, it'll always Zenia. be Xenia. <laughs> Speaking of Farhan, I think it's time for us to get into our main segment for 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 this week's episode. Yes. The MicroBidX. Yes. MicroBidX mania has bit. I am always way behind the curve on this stuff. It usually is that there's this wave of enthusiasm. Everybody's talking about it. The same thing happened with the BidX20. Then it happened with the BidX40. And now, once again, I am behind the curve on the MicroBidX. You were way ahead of me. But now we are both in MicroBidX land. Yes. Farhan sent me one, 
and it sat on my shelf here for far too long. But then our friend out there on the on the left coast, Roger, XPA1 Zulu Zulu, he's putting one together, and he kind of spurred me into getting mine going. So, uh, and also I, I must say I I had some some old unfounded prejudices against dual conversion rigs. I had, you and I talked about this several times. Allison. Al, I, you know, Allison. Allison. Yep. Allison. Allison led me down this yes. path. <laughs> yes. I, you know, I, and that, it still I, gives me pause because she's never wrong. No. No, she's not. And I, I, I say that with no exaggeration. I yeah, I know. But still, <laughs> the the dual conversion thing seems to work beautifully with the micro bit X. So uh, let me just tell you what I did was I, okay, I looked at the micro bit X. It's there. It's on this board. It's got the Raduino. I never used a Raduino before, which is basically an Arduino Nano with a SI5351 chip that you, by the way, are the main proponent of over the last several years. And it's all kind of sandwiched together with a 16 by 2 yellow LCD display. All put on one little board, and it fits perfectly right onto the socket of the micro bit X. Socketry. So a lot of so- easy socketry, and so I followed the instructions to hook up the few controls and everything. My my big question was the box. What kind of a box am I going to put this in? So I went with my standard wooden basswood cigar box kind of thing that is available from Amazon. I found my first one in in, uh, in Michael's. Now I, I'm looking around me, and I have now four rigs in these basswood boxes. I like them a lot. They're about the right size, plenty of room. The basswood is just a bit harder than balsa, so it's easy to cut, easy to work with. And I figured out a way to get, you know, like wooden, I'm, I'm metal front and back panels I can put in shielding if I want to, but I've done these rigs with shielding and without, and I find very little difference. So on this one, I didn't go with elaborate, you know, shielding all around the board, and it works just fine. But I, I put the, the micro bit X inside the box. I hooked up the, the back socketry, the front socketry, and I've, I've had it on the air. I've been making contacts with it. I like it a lot. I mean, I'm really enjoying this this rig. It's a pleasure to use. And the circuitry, the, the double conversion circuitry, is really interesting. And it's, and I've learned a lot just by studying what, what Farhan did with this thing. I sent you by email the block diagram, but I'm sure you've already seen it. But um, it's it's really cool. And I just let me say, on double conversion, when Farhan was talking about this, I repeated to him the warnings from Allison. That basically double conversion, it it causes a lot of trouble, right? Because it causes it raises the possibility of all kinds of birdies and spurs, because you got two different you got a, well, you have a whole a, an additional oscillator percolating along inside the rig. But I can see now, looking at the block diagram and thinking about this, and let me know if you think I'm wrong on this. One of the main reasons to do this is that if you if you're going for a multi-band rig. This has huge advantages in that you do not have to come up with additional bandpass filters coming out of the mixer for each of the bands that you're going to use. Now, I faced this when I was building my simple dual band 2040 bit X transceiver, and I had to build 
one bandpass filter that would be switched in for 40 and one bandpass filter that would be switched in for 20. If you go with this architecture in which you take everything and raise it up to the first mixer frequency, the first IF is a 45 megahertz first IF and they use a 15 kilohertz bandwidth roofing filter at 45 megahertz. That gets you away from having to have all these different switched in bandpass filters. Is that right? Yes. You think that's the main, do you think that's one of the main advantages for doing this this way with a, with a multiband rig? Well, I, I think there's another issue that you first hit upon. Uh, depending, depending on your filter, it may sit right in the middle of a, a handband. Like, for instance, one of the most common filters is 9 megahertz. Uh, if you add a nine megahertz VFO, that puts you right in 17 meters. Not a good idea. Well, that, so and that's what it, that was. That's what it, what happened with Farhan's earlier rig. What was the earlier yeah, rig called? The mini or yeah, the minima. The minima. Yeah. And that was the. I think that was one of the problems they had. I think 15 the, the meters. Filter, yeah. At 21 megahertz. Yeah. And it caused trouble. So basically, this is moving it up. So he's got the 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 bandpass uh, filter at uh, no the 15 kilohertz roofing filter at 45 megahertz. <clears throat> and then the, uh, the the second mixer that knocks it down to 12 megahertz, and uh, there we go. And just and here's the other interesting thing here: just two sets of amplifiers, not the three. I think in all the other BitXs we have three sets. This one he does two sets. There, there's another another good reason for the dual conversion is if you're using a low uh, IF on the, on the second mixer. Uh, for instance, when I built the KWM4, I'm using a Collins 455 kilohertz uh, mechanical filter, and the, and the problem is when you mix that, uh, unless you have some interesting scheme, uh, you're gonna you're not gonna be able to take out the uh, the summer difference depending where you're at. So if you uh, if you and I use the 10.7 megahertz uh, same kind of filter FM filter that had a seven and a half kilohertz bandwidth. So you eliminate the, the uh, essentially the image by the fact right. that you, you're you're going through that filter. So s same kind of problem. It, it, he uses a 12 megahertz and a 45, but if you were using a 455 kilohertz and say some other uh, filter scheme, that's a real problem because you have the imaging issue. So yeah, that's well, another reason for the that's another yeah. reason for the dual conversion. Sure. And this is an ancient ancient problem. For example, I built my uh, big um, HRO dial receiver based on the HRO dial that, uh, that yeah. Armand, the BO1UQO, sent me. And I built it with an IF of 455 kilohertz because I happen to have a filter available for that. And you're right, it's a problem because I have a tunable bandpass filter at the front end. But if I tune that, that filter just slightly off to the wrong side, I'm receiving a completely different band of frequencies, right? I could be peaking it for not not at all the right so you got the image problem there so that's the other thing so all right really really cool there and he all right now the other thing i wanted to talk about that i find so cool about farhan's uh micro bit x is the way that he has used and it pains me to say this pete you know this is this, i think this marks me as an open-minded fellow all right his use of the Arduino SI5351 and the digital technology that's been placed in this otherwise analog rig is, I think, really cool. Let me just explain why. And I know you're going to have some commentary because you are the 
the guru of the oh, SR 5351. Um, first, I think this is the first rig that we've seen where we're using all three clock outputs available from the SI 5351. I mean, you, you and I have only been using two, leaving that kind of center one, the clock one, unused for fear of kind of bleed over. But Farhan has made use of all three, and you, you need to have three because you've got the BFO, the input for the second mixer, and the input for the first mixer. So there you have it. The SI5351 spits out all of the desired frequencies. So, but, but, but he, that, so that's one thing that I think is really cool, that we're using all three. And, you know, the other thing I want to point out, I don't want to gloat here for you, but for a long time, there were a lot of people who were poor on a lot of scorn on the SI5351. Remember the endless debate that we had about phase, phase noise? Phase noise, yeah. Man, you... Never I, hear I, it. I think Farhan and Hans, because Hans uses them in his rigs now too, have proven that this component is completely usable for the, the kind of rigs that we're building. And they, they result in really beautiful rigs, so... Three cheers for you and for Hans and for Farhan. Well, let's not forget Elecraft. <laughs> and Elecraft too. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's and right. KX two. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a there's a this is a cautionary tale for us. I think all of us are, have a tendency to to get concerned about somebody will come out and point to some parameter or some stat and say, oh no, you can can't use this thing. It's no good. Because we've always used the SI five seventy, right? So oh, we got to stick with the SI five seventy. I, I refer you back to Solder Smoke Podcast 169 on December the 6th, <laughs> 2014, <laughs> where we cover this subject. Oh, you should you should be a lawyer. You should be a counselor. <laughs> yes, I, Your Honor, I refer you back. Yes. <laughs> Statements made in Solder Smoke 169. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay, so that's another cool feature of Farhan's um, micro vidx here. But but now this is where it gets even better because that arduino that he has in there is doing a lot more than just spitting out frequencies he's got other stuff going on with it it's generating cw so and i have used it i have made two cw contacts with this thing over the last few days here's the weird thing i get on i make i make a cw contact it's from a guy in ohio who's driving his car as he's working me CW. Oh, <laughs> I know. Talk about don't text while you drive. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hey, how about don't CW while yeah, you drive? Yeah. So, but I, I have a quick QSO with him, drive safely, boom, made a CW QSO. I haven't done that in a long time. The other day I get on, like two, three days later I get on, I hear another guy calling CQ, I call him, it's the same guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I made two CW QSOs with this thing, both with the same right. guy, both driving to work in Ohio. Very cool. But, you know, I even used the CW feature... Yesterday, Pete, I was talking to an old-timer in North Carolina on, on Sideband, on 40. And it was kind of late in the afternoon. The band was going long, and, you know, I was losing him. And I could tell that he was really having trouble hearing me. And he couldn't tell whether I had signed. I was trying to say to him, I'm running 10 watts on Sideband. So he's losing me, and he's, he's struggling to, to figure out whether I've wrapped it up. You know, you feel bad sometimes because, you know, the other guy really wants to say goodbye and wrap it up. And... So I just grabbed the key. I grabbed Farhan's India key that he brought the me from India handle. last year. The beautiful pump handle, all the woodwork. 
And I just, I didn't have to touch anything. I didn't have to throw any switches. I just grabbed the key and sent 7-3 old man, thanks for the contact. And then lifted the key and the guy said, oh, I got it on CW, Bill. Great, 7-3 back at you. Thanks for the contact. Beautiful. There you go. Radio gods have spoken. All right, so he's got, Farhan has worked into the Arduino, the generation of the CW and the side tone. The side tone is beautiful. Because this is another complexity that we don't, we think of CW as the very simple mode, but there are complexities there. I mean, very often I've said, okay, yeah, I got the whole CW thing going, and then you think, damn, side tone. How am I going to listen to myself? I mean, with a DX100, I just listen to the Transformers humming, but that's not happening with the micro bit X, obviously. But he's got the side tone in there, too. So that that is really, really cool. And here's the other thing, and I'm thinking that this is controlled by the, this must be controlled by the Arduino, although I'm not sure. I don't see he doesn't have any lines on this, but he's got um, four low-pass filters on the transmit side. One that goes from 3.5 to 5. The other goes 7 to 10. The others for 14 and 21. The other ones for 21 and third to 30. Now I'm guessing that these are switched by the uh, selected by the Arduino, depending on what frequency they are. It's they out. sense the frequency. Wow. Yeah. There's another feature. So, yep. you're, the, Farhan has packed into that Arduino, into the Raduino, a lot of functions that we weren't doing. We were just doing generate two frequencies, one of them a VFO, one of them a BFO. So, I think that is really cool, and that's another reason to be enthusiastic about the micro bit X. Well, well, there's additional software, and I'm going to I want to talk about that in a minute. There is uh, a guy by the name of Ian Lee. Dr. Oh, Lee yeah. came up with an additional software, a different set of software, the firmware that you can put in there that really adds a lot of new functionality. And I, when when you finish here, Bill, I want to no no talk let's a talk bit. let's talk about that because that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. Too. This is <laughs> okay. the other. This is like a new wave of coolness that has taken place. He's okay. holding it up on the screen here. Okay, this I'm is looking at it. This is not a bit X. This is an Uno with a four line display. Okay, and if you look. Line, on line four, it tells you what version of the software is. You don't see yeah. that on the on the two-line display. Right. Okay. Now, the significance of this is I think you can just lift the firmware and move it to other radios. You're not you're not stuck with the BIDX. You can go in there, and and I'm, I'm going to look at eliminating the dual conversion and just put a single conversion for use in other rigs. I mean, there's a lot of functionality built into this that could be applied to other radios. So all I'm saying is you can take the, the firmware and the sketches that have been developed for this and move them to other radios. I mean, I, I even had this operating on a Pro Mini. So you're not stuck with just the Raduino. If you go in there, the, the, the code is so flexible, you can hack this for other radios. So, I mean, that, that I think in itself... I mean, I could never develop all of that code myself, but boy, I sure can take someone else's code and, and make modifications. So yeah, I think he's right. opened the door for applications and other rigs that, that we may have floating around the shack. But anyway, I thought that was pretty cool that you now see the version number, and, and yep. you only see that with a 20 by 4. And and there's a uh, one of the included files is called microbitics.h. That's where you can go in there and you can either pick the 16 by 2. Now, this is, by the way, this is working on I2C, not not on the wire up the, the standard parallel. The parallel uses all the wires. This this also 
he's got they've got functionality in there you just un, you, you know you unmark it and say okay i've got a 20 by 4 i2c and this is what you get that's so, amazing yeah yeah and and yeah i agree with you three cheers for ian kd8cec yeah just google his call sign and you'll you'll find his different pages there but he's got really good well documented blog the thing is, Pete mentioned the version, and Pete had version um, 1.073. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sign of how much development's going on with this, that those versions are changing, it looks to me like every couple weeks. So I've got in mind 0.71. You've got 0.73. I think 0.73 is still in beta. It might be. Or I don't it, know. it's working fine. Yeah. But I got 0.71 in there. And, no, and now look, here's where you really start to see how much more they can pack into the uh, into the Arduino Raduino package because he's putting whisper in there a whisper package so you know we we were all fooling around with whisper a while back doing it with all kinds of different you know running from the computer with a different interface and everything but he's now put it inside the Raduino so I think you're going I don't, I don't know if I have it fully loaded into mine yet he might have just been leaving space for it but in the next version, I think, you're going to be able to just tune to whatever frequency you want to put out a whisper signal on, hit the whisper button, and then off you go. You're, you're whispering, right? Receiving and transmitting. Also, in this version that I have now, CAT. And this is the interface that allows you to hook up this transceiver to, like, HDSDR. A lot of times they're doing it with a dongle, one of these little dongle... SDR rigs you work it in there and now suddenly you've got the waterfall display and so you'll be able to go out there and sharpshoot other people's signals people oh, yeah, they'll say you're 20 hertz hey, low <laughs> I'm seeing some I'm seeing some energy, energy at, at 195 hertz old man yeah, I think yeah, you better get yeah. do something about that yeah. <laughs> but yeah but, oh, 40 but it's, meters. An, it's an amazing <laughs> capability and, and here's something that's blowing my mind Pete I don't know we haven't even talked about this but once you get this cat thing going isn't it just one more step until you're running this whole thing from your iPhone? So you're, you've got your, your, your micro bit X sitting on the, on the workbench hooked up to your computer, going to an interface and you got your iPhone so that when you're off at some appointment, you know, you could be on the air. It never really attracted me to say so much that you're on your air with your ICOM, you know, 7,432 super duper XT rig and your Apple iPhone. But it would be kind of cool. I'm at Starbucks. <laughs> I'm at I'm at Starbucks and I'm running a micro bidex. Yeah, there you go. The rig cost me a hundred bucks shipped from India. I modified the hell out of it. What do you run it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's cool. By the way, I I've been doing a little research, Bill, on rigs being made around the world, and the price point seems to be somewhere between fifty and a hundred dollars that are. That, all kind of kit radios showing up, multi-band, that uh, $50 range, 50 to $60. And I know the, the micro, uh, the uh, BitX40 is like 49 but that's one band. This is six-band, nine-band radios in that range. And now there, there's the documentations, documentation is crap. You get a bag of parts. And if you don't know what you're doing, you're, you're in a hole. But, I mean, if you kind of know what you're doing – you know, a six-band radio for fifty bucks is kind of interesting. It's get no, it's it's changing things, and and people get. I find that these rigs generate 
a kind of a, a kind of enthusiasm that you just don't get with the really expensive commercial transceivers. And I'm sure you had the same thing where you work some guy, he asks you about the rig, you tell him a little bit about it, he wants to know more, and by the end of the QSO, he's asking for the website. And then a day or two later, you get an email from him saying, I, I, ordered I did it, one. I ordered one from India. Yeah, so. yeah. Now, you worked a guy up in Idaho who said that he'd only worked one other guy running a homebrew rig, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Pete gets on the air from California. No, no, he was in Utah. Utah. Well, yeah. Well, you're you're in California. You work this guy in Utah, and you tell him about your homebrew rig, and he said, "Hey, I've only worked one other guy ever running a homebrew yeah. rig. Who was the other guy?" N2CQR. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> yeah. oh, so I told Pete, I said, "This is good news and bad news. It's, it's good news that they're that you're not the only one. The bad news is it's me." <laughs> But that's not true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I worked him again. He said, hey, have you talked to Bill? I said, yeah. He said, tell him I said hello. His name is Glenn. Glenn. <laughs> yeah, Glenn. A good, he's a good guy. I remember him. I was talking to him. But yeah, I've had a number of guys write in and say, hey, you know, I'm going to get the micro bid X and I'm going to get it on the air. And, and, it, and it's it's doing exactly what Farhan wanted it to do in that it's it's generating interest in modification and homebrew and building and and all the things that we you know you would like to see more of in ham radio. Now this, um, if the wave continues, it's got to be of great concern to to the big transceiver companies because, like you said, fifty or a hundred bucks. Well, let's 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 not breeze by that too quickly. Uh, things that like uh, uh, I, I and Lee did with the software. You, you got the radios are basic radios. What distinguishes them is the functionality. Yeah. And and I I sort of suspect and some guys are transitioning from the Raduino to the to the Teensy 3.5 and 3.6. That's a 180 megahertz processor in there. So and and it's it's programmed with Arduino code. So now what they can add is the is all the functionality that's in the Microbitx, but they can also add the digital signal processing. So, yeah. so now, so now you buy this thirty-five dollar. It costs thirty-five dollars for this processor. You buy this processor, so now you've got all these other things that are available to you that you're going to spend thousands for, and, and you got two hundred dollars total into this thing with additional processors. So I mean, it's the software that's going to be driving this stuff, adding really all the features and functionality. But and it, but it's also allowing a lot of guys to really get involved in in innovation. So for oh, example, yeah. one thing that caught my eye, and it's a guy that we're, we've talked about a lot here, um, KC1FSZ. He's the one who did the peppermint bark uh, yeah, bit yeah. X, and then he's the one El who Fresco. built the big yeah the bit. And he won, he he did the bit X on the board, um, the the big the the big bit X, um, which was was really cool. But but he has and he he and I think Charlie down in New Zealand have come up with a kind of pan adapter, kind of a waterfall display on one of these tiny little OLED screens using a really innovative way of sort of checking to see where the VFO is and then checking to see what the audio output is and then displaying that on an OLED. So you get this tiny little almost like one inch by one inch display of what's going on around you, which I thought was really cool. I mean, it's way be it's beyond me. But I want to I want to dig into that because I I do think that it's kind of cool to be able to see what's going on on the rest of the band and I'm beginning to feel like a bit of a dinosaur, only listening to the three kc bandwidth of my my transceiver. You know what I mean? Oh oh, 
I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, the, the lure of the siren song of the waterfall yeah. is, is, but, is but, calling By the me. way, while we're on that, because uh, Charlie put me onto this, there's now an Arduino-type board that's got the OLED built into the board, so the size of a nano, piggyback right on top of that is the OLED. Now, the only thing it doesn't have is you can't access the, uh, the I2C for... Um, controlling an SI5351, but that's going to come. So, I mean, you got this thing that's the size of the Nano. It's everything. It's got the display on it. It's got the processor. Everything is that size. So, I mean, this stuff is shrinking down, getting smaller and smaller and smaller. There's also some new color TFT displays that are kind of exciting that you can put. Um, it's, got, it's got a uh, port on the back that you can plug in one of these SD cards. So you can create a background on the SD card, like a, a beautiful semicircular analog S meter. I saw that. <laughs> but all of a sudden now, you the, the movement of the, the meter pin, is, so the background is there, the meter pin is the actual S meter. I mean, you, and these, this display has got all these colors, 65,000 colors. And this thing is like 24 bucks. I mean, this is what <laughs> we're going to have in our rigs pretty soon. It's, this a, is it's amazing. Have. It's a it's a great time to be to be a home yeah. brewer. And you know, you find yourself the, the good one of the great things about MicroBitX and other projects like this is as soon as you get the thing finished, you start thinking, oh wait, I'm going to add something yeah. else. So I just finished my my box in the basswood box, and you can see it behind me here. But then after reading a couple of the articles, I reached into my digital junk box and pulled out the twenty by four display. Yeah, it's too go. big. It's too big. Yeah. I'd have, to, I'd, have to, I'd have to redo the front panel completely. So I might stay at 16.2, 16 by 2 for a little while. But it would be cool because, I mean, some of the 20 by 4 displays that you see, they've, they've even got the S meter in there. Very yes. cool. Very yeah. cool. Work, a lot of opportunity work. for innovation. Hey, but, you know, I, I am a, I am really, I admit it, a bit of a dinosaur in, in all this. And I got seriously wet feet about jumping into the KD8 CEC software upgrade. You see, when when Farhan ships the um, the MicroBitX with the Raduino, he's got his own software in there, which works fine right out of the box. I mean, you fire the thing up, boom, it's working. But then I wanted to upgrade because I wanted some of the features that, that I saw people talking about with Ian's. I wasn't crazy about the accelerator thing in the Raduino tuning. I think Farhan himself doesn't like it either anymore. I mean, it was a nice idea, but... If we're just not used to tuning the radio that way, my my FFS, <laughs> fat, finger that? Sy- fat finger syndrome. <laughs> yeah, never, you, got, you got you got to get used to not turning. As soon as you turn the knob a little fast, it start it, it changes yeah, yeah. The, the the steps and starts now, now switching Ian's that. Now Ian's software's uh, got a step step selection. Now, yeah, it's got yeah. Ian's has got where you set the step. You just say okay, I want it to tune at 100 hertz or 50 hertz or 1 kc. So that's that's a lot better. But I was reluctant to to try to change the software and upload the software, not because the difficulty of getting the software in there, but because it seemed like it would require me to update the Arduino IDE that I have in my machine. Yeah, they recommend the 1.8.5. Right, and you and I kind of agonized over this a bit because in the past, whenever we have updated the uh, the IDE... Old, old sketches don't work. 
old sketches don't work. Also, I'm really reluctant because whenever you go to the Arduino site, that little box appears on your screen and says, do you want us to update your libraries? And I just say, no, please don't. Because I've got the LCD libraries in there that work with the five or six different sketches that I have in the five or six different digitized rigs around here. As soon as I update those libraries... Don't work. It doesn't work anymore. And then I'm going to be sent back into the into the world of woe that requires me to figure out well, why isn't this thing compiling well it's compiling because it's got an lcd library in there but it's not the lcd library apparently because there are like many many lcd libraries out there half all dozen. with the same name half a dozen all with the same name yeah so if you don't have the right one in. so anyway i had finally got under my old 1.6.7 arduino ide i have a directory with all of the the sketches that are loaded into my various rigs. I've got a, a file with notes on which version of the sketches are placed into each rig because it's important because if you, you don't work on this stuff, if you put it in a rig and then you might not go back to that rig for a year, year and a half, if you don't have notes on what you have in there, you're not going to remember, especially you're if you built four or five yeah. rigs in the interim, right? So I've got all this notes. It's all organized and it kind of scared me to think, okay, now I'm going to dump into this world a new IDE that might have different libraries associated with it. But anyway, I talked to um, to uh, to Jack Purdom. W-A-T-E-E, yeah. W-A-T-E-E, who's a real guru. And he, he convinced me to just do it, but put it in a, uh, a different directory. And also, and I don't know if this is important, but somebody else said, do it as a non-admin download. Now, I don't know what whether that makes a difference or not. But that's the way I did it. I did it as a non-admin download, and I put it in a completely separate directory. Then I used it to upload the KD8CEC software into my micro X's Raduino. And I don't think that it damaged, did damage to the happy 1.6.7 world that I had created in the other directory. If you hear weeping and gnashing of teeth from Falls Church, Virginia, you'll know that I was wrong. <laughs> hey, you guys going to get the next... Amazon H2 headquarters. We hope we hope so. Uh, it's that's a, I didn't realize you you guys are in contention for that. That's right. That's right. Our oh. fair city might get it. Wow. You know, it's it, it's an office building that they say will be bigger than the Pentagon. Wow. Yeah, bigger than the Pentagon. That's wow. a, that's a big operation. Five billion dollars. Man, fifty thousand people, something like that. I think. I, I think about all the hams that could be in there. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, well, it'll be good. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But anyway, yeah, all the hams, all the, all the Arduino users that could come in, it'll be great. Bezos, right down the road. Yeah. Cha-ching. Yeah. Hey, you know, I thought of an alternative uh, for that issue. And uh, I have a couple of computers here, these, uh, Actually, the single board computers that you can download Arduino to, and and I, I'm not sure you can do it on a Raspberry Pi, but I know you can do it on the Asus Tinker board, and you can also use it on a, an Intel Windows 10 machine that I spent a hundred bucks on. So that's an that's an option. <laughs> download it into one of those machines, and then you're not. I'm not having you, to worry. Yeah, I didn't. I, didn't, I was. I, I thought about doing that, but I finally got just got tired of waiting, and I didn't feel like struggling with a whole new computer so i decided to live dangerously and download 1.8.5 but, but hey but 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 pete you know mention of bezos 
we have completely forgotten for the last couple of episodes an important shameless commerce division that brings us to shameless commerce division speaking about bezos and amazon and those big bucks people who are thinking about dropping another pentagon into our fair city uh really appreciate it when you guys use the um the solder smoke icon if you go to the solder smoke blog at soldersmoke.blogspot.com up in the upper right there's a little amazon icon whatever you're searching for whatever your heart desires just plug it in there start there spend a lot of money (laughs) you're going to amazon land and because you started with solder smoke cha-ching bezos has to send us some money and if he's going to be located right down the road he'll be even he'll be even happier yeah supporting local industry what does he care but anyway um, we, we appreciate everybody who does it. And thanks. We, we joked before about people who sent us a donation. That was, that was kind of tongue in cheek. It really had nothing to do with the, uh, the April 1st scam. But we, we appreciate that. We do use it for the, the expenditures so- that we have. some software, Bill. <laughs> yeah, because Pete and I struggle with the software. Yeah. Every, and microphone. Look at this microphone. Oh, yeah. I mean, you this need, is like. You need a better mic. This is like a. What we would call it kids as kids it was kind of a, kind this of a, is doing brain surgery with a rusty spoon <laughs> I know and it, you know it's it's kind of I guess it's kind of fun that we're you know homebrew podcast roadkill stuff but this is getting kind of pathetic here so I think I'm going to use some of this money to get a, new a decent mic. microphone yeah a new mic although I talked to people I, t- I talked to Eric over there in Israel and he said no stay with the same mic it sounds great I don't know Hey, 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 speaking of mics, I, I got to tell you, I want to go back to the microbitics. I I found that only the mic element really worked as it should with the microbitics. I tried some other, I tried the um, the uh, electret mic that came with a Bit X40. It wouldn't work. And and my uh, power mic on the D104, I had to crank it wide open. What well, I think you you've experienced similar things i finally built i finally built the mic using the mic elements that supplied and it worked fine well that must that must be the thing a lot of us are just assuming i guess that you could just take any electret and plug it in there but 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 farhan might be shipping one particularly made for that i've looked at the uh the the email reflectors bit x20 i mean an amazing amount of correspondence there a lot of discussion uh and a lot people have talked about how they had problems with the um the first, you know, mic amplifier, um, using it with different style microphones. But I, I remember, I vaguely remember that we had sort of similar difficulties with the mic amp in way, going way back to the Bit X20 days. And we had to modify it and get increased gain depending on which um, microphone you were using. Uh, I think a lot of guys have decided to put like a preamp in there. And I know Roger out in California, who I've been kind of corresponding with on this uh, microbitx project has put a little microphone preamp between the mic connector and the board you need the w2ihy <laughs> equalizer equalizer there you go yes yeah, so be careful be careful with that because you'll 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 you'll, you'll find yourself descending that into dynamic, the morass that dynamic sound yeah. <laughs> It's kind of it, it lacks it lacks crispness and presence. Yeah, yeah it's yellowy. <laughs> <laughs> let's not get started on this, Pete. I, I don't know. Maybe it's time to go. Let's see. Where, anything else we need to discuss topic-wise, or should we go right into the uh, solder smoke mailbag? We are I at the mailbag. 
get we're running a little over time here this morning. A little over time. Now we got a lot of correspondence about the um, the April first uh, scam that we ran. Uh, Steve W. Uh, Steve N eight N M actually sent us revised lyrics for Jimi Hendrix's song "Purple Haze." <laughs> oh man, I like it. I you know that song's important to me because you know Hendrix was a paratrooper. Right? Yeah, yeah, and he that, was. For, for many of us, that's excuse me while I kiss the sky. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of remind you about going out the door and all that. But uh, anyway, thank you for those lyrics, uh, Steve. I'm waiting for uh, N6QW to crack out the guitar and uh, <laughs> give us some some background music for that. Now, on the same subject, there were a few things that came in afterwards by a mail that we didn't uh, really mention earlier on. But um, uh, Pete WB9FLW. I think he came in with the best suggestion for an alternate name. So after we had been sort of shot down by the, the California marijuana vaping Birmingham juggernaut, he said that we should respond by calling the new podcast Flux U. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spell that for you guys. F-L-U-X, yeah, like solder yeah, flux. Yeah, yeah. Flux U. And then he said that he wanted to have it like Flux U, like Y-O-U. You know, and I said we should just change the U to the letter U because that would give it like an educational connotation. Yes, yes, like yes. welcome to Flux U. Yes, we're going to teach you important life skills such as how to put together a microbidex, things yes. things that you need in life. Um, let's see. Oh, we got a, a an email that got lost in the in the in the in the in the kind of the the flood of bidex emails because please. It's better if you send it, actually, you can send it to soldersmoke.com without getting us into legal trouble. So send, if you have an email, use that one, soldersmoke at yahoo.com. Because I got the, the other one, my other email address, the N2CQR address, is the same one I use for all the mailing lists. And it never was a problem before, but man, BidX20IO that Hans set up is just an enormous amount of email. There's so much interest in there. So this one got lost in there, but it's uh, but it's Bob, kd 8 uh uh, C G H. And he took, he faced the same question I did. He had a micro bit X and he decided what box am I going to put it into? And he did what I have done several times. And he took out a Heathkit Benton Harbor lunchbox. No. Pete's cringing. No. Gutted it. Right. And then put the micro bit X in there. And I was the one who came up with the name. I said, you know, what are we going to call that thing? Cause the, you know, these, these rigs, they were always called the Benton Harbor Lunchbox. But now what Bob has done, this thing is more, it's got more Hyderabad than, than Benton Harbor. So I called it the Hyderabox. Hey, I got a beautiful picture of it up on the blog. Hey, before you leave that, um, last Sunday I got on uh, seven, uh, 7277. That's the, the uh, micro or BitX calling frequency on Sunday night. There was this poor guy in... Utah, <laughs> calling CQ Bidex. No one ever came back to him, so I, I, I called him back, and uh, we chatted for about a half hour. He said he's been doing that for a month, and I was the first station he ever talked to on, on that net, although he's oh, got a micro-Bidex. But he, too, took a Benton Harbor lunchbox <laughs> and, and put it in there. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I said, are you the guy with the LCD display on the front? Because the the, the guy you're talking to, that's what he did. He had he had the LCD. Yeah, no, I said, looks... no, no, no. He said, I didn't do that. So, But anyway, this is... somebody see, else out there did it. Yeah, someone else did it. I said, you're the one that's got... Because the one that you're referring to 
someone had previously put the crystal socket right above where the speaker goes because you yeah. can see the holes in the panel. He said, no, you no, got that's a good eye. You got a good so eye. So this is, this is two. Two. <laughs> two. And it made me feel good because I'm not the only one butchering Benton nope, Harbor lunchboxes. Yeah, yeah. So, Pete, you and I, we are on so much the same frequency because right the next thing on my list was a contact that I made on this Sunday night net. So 72.77. They go sun, now they're going Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock local and Sunday afternoon 7 o'clock in the evening. Tough for me because it conflicts with 60 Minutes. At least I always watch 60 Minutes. But um, I got on there the other night, right before 60 Minutes was going to go on, and I was only able to make – this was with the, with the Microbit-X. It was like my first day with the Microbit-X. I get on there, I call CQ, and a guy comes back who's also on a Microbit-X, and it's Al, N1AW, not W1AW, N1AW. And uh, he was using a Microbit-X, and – I told him about mine, and I, I joked with him. I said, well, mine's in a wooden box. You probably don't hear that that often. He comes back, and he says, hey, mine's in a cardboard box. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He sent me a picture. I put it up on the blog. Wow, what a great project. What a great way to do it. You know, it's actually a great way to kind of prototype a rig because one of the critical things with the micro bit X is making sure that you got the lead lengths right, right? And the height, gonna, the height, the height, is, is and everything an else. Yeah. So one thing you could do is you could set up like the front panel and the back panel out of really stiff cardboard, go down to the to staples or something, and then build it that way. And then once you get it right and you know everything's right and you got the lead lengths right, just take the cardboard out, replace it with the metal panels of the metal box. Roger out in California is doing something similar, not with cardboard but with sheet metal for the first time around before he commits to drilling holes in the in the metal box that he got but anyway i oh, this was kind of a a bit of a tale of woe so we're having a nice contact there and all of a sudden on 7277 you get these is this frequency in use is this frequency in use and we said yeah but then they go ahead anyway is this frequency in use and then it's cq rookie roundup cq rookie roundup holy cow it's like the old novice roundup but it's rookie roundup and i must say my first experience with the Rookie Roundup did not leave me optimistic about the future. <laughs> because my very first interaction with this thing was they were, and I don't know, he might not have heard me, maybe he didn't, but we got we got QRM'd by the Rookie Roundup trying to run our little 10-watt homebrew kit-built micro-bit-Xs. Arg. Uh, by, by the way, um, just a note here, that station I talked to last Sunday he he was running just ten watts. He didn't have an amp on it, and he he was really strong here in the west west coast. So so stuff. it was about I'd say a good seven to eight hundred miles. That's good. So, so I must say there you go. Forty's forty's been pretty bad lately. The last few days, yeah. forty in the afternoon is just dead, which is unusual. But anyway, great stuff. Hey, I sent around a video that I really liked, and it's it's on the blog. It's about Bell Labs and the invention of the transistor, but it's a lot of fun. It's from, I guess, it's from the like the early 90s, but it's about what the, what the local employees called Bell Labs. They called it Hell's Bells Laboratory. <laughs> and it, if you look at the video, it's a lot of fun because it provides. It's a description of the scientific endeavor from Shockley, Bardane, Bretain, those guys. A lot about <clears throat> the kind of the personal rivalries and weird personalities of at least one of them, Shockley. But um, 
I thought it was a really interesting video. I think you guys would like it. Check that one out. Hey, um, a guy that we've worked with a lot, a good friend of ours, KV4QB, Dwayne. Uh, he was interviewed uh, a few episodes ago by Eric, 4Z1UG, on the QSO Today podcast. Really interesting. Great to hear from Dwayne. But the thing that got me was how Dwayne was using toilet bowl cleaner as a source for diluted for dilute hydrochloric acid. So when he's doing PC boards, at some point in the process, he likes to bathe them in dilute hydrochloric acid. And instead of messing with real hydrochloric acid, he realized that toilet bowl cleaner has dilute hydrochloric acid. So he's using it that way. And I'm thinking, this is fantastic. This is right up our alley. We're the guys who use desitin as, you <laughs> yeah. know, or an olive oil for a field expedient, you know, lubricant. And then desitin as, you know, the heat sink compound, giving the, the shack a, a pleasing, you know, kind of babyish kind of odor. But here now, Dwayne is, is on the same. And we use breadboards, kitchen breadboards to actually breadboard things. Part of a longhand tradition. Wayne has taken it up a notch with the, the use of toilet bowl cleaner. But then it got me. I don't know if you caught this. But Eric is talking to him, and they're talking about the use of the toilet bowl cleaner. And thinking about how to economize on the whole process, Eric realizes that you don't have to throw it away. You could reuse it. Yeah, yeah, the toilet bowl. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow, good stuff. That was that was really interesting. Hey, in the mailbag, I got, uh, I got a, a nice email from an old friend of ours, Jack. 5R8 Sugar Victor. There's a call sign. Reunion get your Island. Attention. Huh? Is that Reunion Island? No, Madagascar. Madagascar, close. yeah. Madagascar. Yeah. Antanarivo. Um, his, his home call is Alpha India Force here, Victor. Like me, he's in the Foreign Service. And he was responding to my sad description of how the Nor'easter had taken out my beloved 17-meter moxon. He said it must have been that the radio gods were angry that weekend. Yeah. Because completely on the other side of the planet, at the time that the nor'easter was taken out my moxon, a tropical cyclone took his Madagascar hex beam. Not, not the beam itself, but apparently the mass got bent over, so it's kind of sad looking and drooping down from the vertical. But uh, good to hear from you, Jack. Uh, he's going to be... He's going to be back in the USA for a while. Then they're going to Cyprus. Wow, what a cool ham radio location that is. So good good for him. We'll be looking to you for you from uh, from Cyprus. Some Cyprus. My, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get the gutter guy, the guy who cleans the gutters, to go up and take down my 17-meter uh, moxon. And I don't know. I, I keep thinking about I'm going to make it a 20 and a 17. But it would be so easy just to put the, the a replacement pole up there and go back with 17 meters. What do you think? Should I... Go for the gusto or keep it simple and just keep it on 17? Pete's well, I, 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 I'd have to think about that. I, I'm not sure I'd give you an answer right away. I'd have to think, think, of, a, think about think, that. Think about yes, it. You know, in, in four to five years, the bands are going to be hot again. Simplicity as a virtue. Guys, think about that. Send me some advice. What should I do? Um, got a nice nice uh, email from John, WJ0NF. He's reading the book, Solder Smoke, Global Adventures in Wireless Electronics. Thanks for that feedback, uh, John. Hey, the, uh, uh, somebody, uh, Charles, AI4OT, a guy that I always run into at Hamfests. He's a real fan of the BitX and QRP rigs, a great fella. I missed him at Winterfest this year. I went to the Winterfest Hamfest, but I was in and out in less than an hour, so I missed Charles. 
But I was sitting here working on something, and I had the 40-meter rig on. I heard the OMIC net on, and Charles checked in, mobile. And so it reminded me i got to shoot him an email. I shot him an email. He's doing fine. Good to hear from you, Charles, big supporter of the Solder Smoke podcast. Uh, we heard from Chris, KD4PBJ, another big fan of the podcast. He was He got me thinking about astronomy because he had a longtime operator of an 8-inch Dobsonian telescope that he built himself. He, he found, it, found somewhere out there on, in the Internet a 15-inch Dobsonian telescope that he picked up. Wow. You're moving into the big leagues there, uh, Chris. You're going to be getting some real, real DX with, with that thing. So good luck. Thanks thanks for telling us about that. Um, let's see. Oh, Ken, W-H-K-T-P. He's one of those guys that we were talking to um, about the rig on the air. He heard my BIDX and was so impressed with the sound that he immediately ordered one from India. So great. Thanks. Glad to hear about that. Darren, KG7KOI is listening to the podcast. Welcome aboard, Darren. And then <clears throat> Gary, AK4NA, he came in with a new word for the solder smoke lexicon. Steve Silverman, take note, our official lexicographer or lexographer or whatever. Um, and this is related to a term given to us a number of years ago by George Dobbs, where he talked about socketry. <clears throat> And Gary points out that he's heard about a number of our projects. I think KF's, KC1FSZ's, the world's largest BIDX on a board rig. Um, anyway, Gary says a new word, cabinetize. Cabinetize, yes. Cabinetize. Cabinetize. So when, you, when, you, when you've been running your rig al fresco, over, after a period of time, you may feel the urge to cabinetize. Sure. Which would launch you into a process of cabinetization. There you go. Which is related to socketry. So the socketry and cabinetization process must be carried out sort of concurrently. Don't you agree, Professor? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Pete. What's on the horizon? What are you going to work on next? Oh, I got a few transistor projects. and I mean, transceiver projects. Uh, now that weather's getting better, Bill, it, it's getting warmer in the garage. You can, you can actually go out there without freezing your buns off so uh i'm, I'm looking forward to, i got a few uh, few designs coming up and i'll be sharing those on the blog so kind of kind of kind of nice to see the warmer weather show up but i mean it was crap i know, <laughs> it was cold I know. Out there. and you're in california it's not supposed to be that no, way no no we might launch a campaign for the for the for the well-being of the entire solder melting community we have to come up with a climatization <laughs> project for your shack yeah, because you when, when the winter when 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 pete hibernates you know, it has a has a ripple effect on on radio amateurs all around the world. So we've got to do something about this next you, winter. You know, though, I'm I'm totally amazed. Um, projects that I've worked on, guys are just getting around doing. I, I got a series of emails from uh, from Ralph. He's building the LBS. <laughs> that was that was years ago, and so I, I think it's great. But they just stumble across this stuff, and the next thing you know, they're they're busy working on it and i have to scratch my head sometimes you know i get asked the question i say geez how'd i do that you know <laughs> was well you really... know well that's that's the advantage of the blog because not only are you sharing information with people now but it becomes a resource that you can refer back yeah. to i find myself often saying what the heck was i doing with that thing and i just go back six seven years on the blog and there i wrote it up so it becomes kind of a, a useful tool for that also matter of fact one of the uh, one of the issues was uh the 
former transformers used to be able to buy from Mauser the 42 IF 123s, you know, the 10.7 megahertz little IF transformers. You could either add capacitors to them and pull the capacitors out and bandpass, instant bandpass filters. You can't get those anymore. So he said, you know, what should I do? I said, well, go to LT Spice <laughs> and design up a circuit, and, and there you go. So he said, oh, yeah, that'll work. So it's just sometimes we get led into other areas as a result of a shortcoming in, in another area. So is it yeah, all bad? I, I just, sort of along the same lines, I saw on the GQRP list, a guy is, uh, somebody else is building the Epiphyte. Yeah, there you go. A new Epiphyte's being born, going way back. Pete Giuliano, this brings us to the end of another exciting adventure here on Solder Smoke. Thank you very much for getting up so early in the morning. You bet. You bet. And uh, good luck with all your projects. Keep in touch. Look at that. He's holding up the 20 by 4 display. Yeah, cool. Gosh, I, I feel envious because I only have 16 by 2. Well, I, I didn't. What I didn't do this morning because I wanted to get this on there right away, I actually got a 20 by 4 blue display with white letters. Juliano blue. <laughs> there you go. Juliano there you go. blue. There you go. But I do, I do, I do, I do, I do feel the need to change to blue. Yeah. The yellow is kind of yellowy. Yeah, yeah. You know that again. The fact that you got uh, Lee's software, this opens a door. I mean, just changing some of the frequency schemes in in some of the uh, sketches can make this available for single conversion use in any rig. I mean, and then you get all the functionality, the A and B VFOs and, and everything else. I mean, there's there's a lot to this. And so, Three cheers for Ian. Yeah, hip, hip. Hooray. There you go. Three times. All right. Seven threes Seven three. from the left coast. <laughs> Seven three from Northern Virginia, the future home. Oh, of H2. HQ2. <laughs> HQ2. HQ2. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> See you, Bill. Seven three, Pete. Ooh, that's awesome. The Solder Smoke Podcast is produced once or twice a month using roadkill computers in an electronics workshop somewhere in the wilds of Northern Virginia. The podcast is available via iTunes and directly from our website, soldersmoke.com. Our blog, the Solder Smoke Daily News, is at soldersmoke.blogspot.com. Send email to soldersmoke, that's one word, at yahoo.com. Solder Smoke is listener-supported. And there are many ways you can help keep the podcast going. Please spread the word. Let your friends know about Solder Smoke, the podcast, and our blog. Put links to the podcast and the blog on your websites. Buy a copy of the critically acclaimed book, Solder Smoke, Global Adventures in Wireless Electronics, available from lulu.com. Begin all your visits to Amazon via the Amazon link on our blog page. In this way, Solder Smoke gets a commission from anything you buy on Amazon. Buy some of our attractive Solder Smoke t-shirts, coffee mugs, and bumper stickers at the Solder Smoke store at cafepress.com. If you have a small business, consider advertising on the podcast or on the blog. Our rates are reasonable and our staff is friendly. If none of this appeals to you but you still want to help, well, we have a donation button in the upper left-hand corner of the blog page. However you choose to help, we thank you for your support. Ciao, bravi ragazzi!